chapter twenty eight part one of the children of the abbey this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox org the children of the abbey by regina maria roche chapter twenty eight part one oh how this tyrant doubt torments my breast my thoughts like birds who frighted from their rest around the place where all was hushed before flutter and hardly settle any more otway lord mortimer distressed by the indisposition of amanda hastened at an earlier hour than usual for his morning visits to portman square and was ushered into lady euphrasia's dressing-room where she and miss malcolm who had continued with her the preceding night were sitting tete-a-tete at breakfast his lordship was a welcome visitor but it was soon obvious on whose account he had made his appearance for scarcely were the usual compliments over ere he inquired about miss fitz allen lady euphrasia said she was still unwell and had not yet left her apartment she has not recovered her surprise of last night exclaimed miss malcolm with a malicious smile what surprise asked his lordship dear me replied miss malcolm was not your lordship present at the time she met colonel belgrave no said lord mortimer changing colour i was not present but what has colonel belgrave to say to miss fitzallen asked he in an agitated voice that is a question your lordship must put to the young lady herself answered miss malcolm now i declare cried lady euphrasia addressing a friend is very probable her illness did not proceed from seeing colonel belgrave you know she never mentioned being acquainted with him though her father was his tenant in devonshire lord mortimer grew more disturbed and rose abruptly lady euphrasia mentioned their intention of going that evening to the play and invited him to be of the party he accepted her invitation and retired his visible distress was a source of infinite mirth to the young ladies which they indulged the moment he quitted the room the circumstance relative to belgrave the marchioness had informed them of as she and lady greystock were near amanda when she met him lord mortimer was unhappy the mind which has once harboured suspicion will from the most trivial circumstance be tempted again to give admission to the unpleasing guest nor was it a trivial circumstance which discomposed the too susceptible heart of mortimer the sudden illness of amanda her extraordinary agitation her eagerness to quit the room the close though silent attendance of belgrave all these i say when recalled to recollection gave an air of probability to miss malcolm's insinuation that her disorder was occasioned by seeing him from residing more constantly in england than sir charles bingley had done he had had more opportunities of learning belgrave's real character which he knew to be that of a professed libertine it was strange he thought that when amanda informed him she once resided in devonshire she should conceal her father being the colonel's tenant he began to think her reluctance to a clandestine and immediate marriage might have proceeded from some secret attachment and not from the strict adherence to filial duty which had exalted her so much in his opinion yet the idea was scarcely formed ere he endeavoured to suppress it he started as if from an uneasy dream and wondered how he could have conceived this or any other idea 
injurious to amanda he felt a degree of remorse at having allowed her for a moment to be lessened in his opinion her tenderness her purity he said to himself could not be feigned no she was a treasure greater than he deserved to possess nor would he like a wayward son of error fling away the happiness he had so long desired to obtain the calm this resolution produced was but transient doubts had been raised and doubt could not be banished he was inclined to think them unjust yet had not power to dispel them vainly he applied to the ideas which had heretofore been such consolatory resources of comfort to him namely that his father would consent to his union with amanda through the interference of an aunt and the felicity he should enjoy in that union an unusual heaviness clung to his heart which like a gloomy sky cast a shade of sadness over every prospect thoughtful and pensive he reached home just as sir charles bingley was entering the door who informed him he had just received a note from lord chair barry desiring his immediate presence lord mortimer attended him to the earl who acquainted him that he had received a letter from mr fitz allen in which he expressed a warm sense of the honour sir charles did his family by addressing miss fitz allen and that to have her united to a character so truly estimable would give him the truest happiness from the conviction that hers would be secured by such a union he has written to his daughter expressing his sentiments continued lord cherbury i have therefore no doubt sir charles but that everything will succeed as you wish i am sorry my lord cried sir charles with an agitated voice and a cheek flushed with emotion that i ever troubled your lordship in this affair as i have now and forever relinquished all ideas of a union with miss fitz allen the resolution is really somewhat extraordinary and sudden replied the earl after the conversation which so lately passed between us adopted however my lord from a thorough conviction that happiness can never be attained in a union with that young lady sir charles's tenderness for amanda was still undiminished he wished to preserve her from censure and thus proceeded your lordship must allow i could have little chance of happiness in allying myself to a woman who has resolutely and uniformly treated me with indifference passion blinded my reason when i addressed your lordship relative to miss fitzallen but its mists are now dispersed and sober reflection obliges me to relinquish a scheme whose accomplishment could not possibly give me satisfaction you are certainly the best judge of your own actions sir charles replied the earl my acting in the affair proceeded from a wish to serve you as well as from my friendship for captain fitz allen i must suppose your conduct will never disparage your own honour or cast a slight upon miss fitz allen that my lord you may be assured of said sir charles with some warmth my actions and their motives have hitherto and will ever i trust bear the strictest investigation i cannot retire without thanking your lordship for the interest you took in my favour had things succeeded as i then hoped and expected i cannot deny but i should have been much happier than i am at present he then bowed and retired lord mortimer had listened with astonishment to sir charles's relinquishment of amanda like his father he thought it a sudden and extraordinary resolution he was before jealous of amanda's love he was now jealous of her honour the agitation of sir charles seemed to imply even a cause more powerful than her coldness for resigning her he recollected that the baronet and the colonel were intimate friends distracted by apprehensions he rushed out of the house and overtook sir charles ere he had quitted the square why bingley cried he with affected gaiety i thought you too 
valiant a knight to be easily overcome by despair and that without first trying every effort to win her favour you never would give up a fair lady you had set your heart on i leave such efforts for your lordship replied sir charles or those who have equal patience but seriously bingley i think this sudden resignation of miss fitzallan somewhat strange why last night i could have sworn you were as much attached to her as ever from lord chair barry's friendship for captain fitzallan i think her in some degree under his protection and mine and as the particularity of your attention attracted observation i think your abruptly withdrawing them requires explanation as lord chair barry was the person i applied to relative to miss fitzallan exclaimed sir charles and as he was satisfied with the motive i assigned for my conduct be assured my lord i shall never give another to you your words retorted lord mortimer with warmth imply that there was another motive for your conduct than the one you avowed what horrid inference may not be drawn from such an insinuation oh sir charles reputation is a fragile flower which the slightest breath may injure my lord if miss fitzallan's reputation is never injured but my by my means it will ever continue unsullied i cannot indeed resumed lord mortimer style myself her guardian but i consider myself her friend and from the feelings of friendship shall ever evince my interest in her welfare and resent any conduct which can possibly render her an object of censure to any being allow me to ask your lordship one question cried sir charles and promise on your honour to answer it i do promise said lord mortimer then my lord did you ever really wish i should have succeeded with miss fitzallan lord mortimer coloured you expect sir charles i shall answer you on my honour then really i never did your passions and mine continued sir charles are impetuous we had better check them in time lest they lead us to links we may hereafter repent of of miss fitzallan's fame be assured no man can be more tenacious than i should i love her with the truest ardour her acceptance of my proposals would have given me felicity my suddenly withdrawing them can never injure her when i declare my motive for so doing was her indifference lord jerbury is satisfied with the reason i have assigned for resigning her he is conscious that no man of sensibility could experience happiness with a woman in whose heart he had no interest this i suppose your lordship will also allow certainly replied lord mortimer then it strikes me my lord that it is your conduct not mine which has a tendency to injure miss fitzallan that it is your words not mine which convey an insinuation against her you really appear as if conscious some other cause existed which would have made me relinquish her without the one i have already assigned for doing so lord mortimer was instantly convicted of the justice of what sir charles said he began to fear his warmth would really prove prejudicial to amanda betray the doubts that had obtruded on his mind and communicate them to those who might not be equally influenced by tenderness and delicacy to conceal them you are right sir charles said he in what you have said passion like a bad advocate hurts the cause in which it is engaged from my knowledge of your character i should have been convinced your honour would have prevented any improper conduct you are going to ireland permit me sir charles to offer you my best wishes for your future happiness sir charles took lord mortimer's extended hand he respected and esteemed his lordship and a mutual interchange of good wishes took place between them as this was the last interview they expected for a long time the indisposition of amanda was more of the mental than the bodily kind and on the first intimation of a party to the play she agreed to join it in hopes the amusement would remove her dejection 
her father's letter relative to sir charles bingley had given her some uneasiness but as he left her free to act she contented herself with using the negative he allowed her by a solemn resolution of never acting contrary to his inclinations and answered his letter to this purpose lord mortimer and freelove attended the ladies in the evening to the play his lordship found an opportunity of tenderly inquiring after amanda's health when they were seated in the house he perceived a lady in another box to whom he wished to speak and accordingly left his party this lady offered him a seat by herself which he accepted she was a stranger to amanda young and extremely beautiful amanda however had none of that foolish weakness which could make her dread a rival in every new face or feel uneasiness at lord mortimer's attention to any woman but herself assured that his affections for her were founded on the basis of esteem and that she should retain them while worthy of esteem she could without being discomposed by the agreeable conversation he appeared to be enjoying fix her attention on the stage so entirely indeed that she observed not from time to time the glances lord mortimer directed towards her not so his fair companion she noticed the wanderings of his eyes and her own involuntarily pursued their course she was speaking at the moment but suddenly stopped and lord mortimer saw her change colour he turned pale himself and in a faltering voice asked her if she knew the lady she had been long looking at know her replied she oh heavens but too well lord mortimer trembled universally and was compelled to have recourse to his handkerchief to hide his emotion it was by adela the lovely and neglected wife of belgrave he was sitting she had been a short time in london and her acquaintance with lord mortimer commenced at a ball where she had danced with him he was not one of those kind of men who when in love had neither eyes nor ears but for the object of that love he could see perfections in other women besides his amanda and was particularly pleased with mrs belgrave he instantly perceived that she knew amanda also that that knowledge was attended with pain the well-known profligacy of her husband intruded on his memory and he shuddered at the dreadful thoughts which arose in his mind curiosity had directed the eyes of adela to amanda but admiration and an idea of having somewhere seen her face riveted them upon her at last the picture oscar fitz allen had shown occurred to her recollection and she was immediately convinced it was no other than the original of that picture she now saw shocked at the sight of a person who as she thought had stepped though innocently between her and felicity and distressed by the emotions which past scenes thus recalled gave rise to she entreated lord mortimer to conduct her from the box that she might return home he complied with her request but stopped in the lobby and entreated her to tell him where she had known the lady she had so attentively regarded adela blushed and would if possible have evaded the question but the earnestness of his lordship's manner compelled her to answer it she said she had no personal knowledge of the lady but recollected her face from having seen her picture with a gentleman and who was the gentleman asked lord mortimer with a forced smile and a faltering voice that replied adela with involuntary quickness i will not tell i should apologize indeed cried lord mortimer recollecting himself for a curiosity which may appear impertinent he led her to her chair and deliberated whether he should not follow her example in quitting the house miss malcolm at first made him uneasy uneasiness introduced doubts which sir charles bingley had increased 
and mrs belgrave almost confirmed he dreaded a horrid confirmation of his fears the picture like othello's handkerchief was a source of unspeakable anguish the agitation that mrs belgrave had betrayed on mentioning it joined to her concealment of the gentleman she had seen it with tempted him to believe he was no other than her husband yet that he might not be accused of yielding rashly to jealousy he resolved to confine his suspicions like his pangs to his own bosom except assured they were well founded a little time he supposed would determine the opinion he should form of amanda if he found she encouraged belgrave he resolved to leave her without any explanation if on the contrary he saw that she avoided him he meant to mention the circumstance of the picture to her yet so as not to hurt her feelings and be regulated by her answer relative to his future conduct he returned at last to the box and procured a seat behind her he had not occupied it long ere colonel belgrave who from a retired part of the house where he sat with some female friends had observed amanda entered the next box and made his way to the pillar against which she leaned he endeavoured to catch her eyes but the noise he made on entering put her on her guard and she instantly averted her face her embarrassment was visible to her party and they all lord mortimer excepted enjoyed it scarcely could he refrain from chastising the audacity of belgrave's looks who continued to gaze on amanda though he could not see her face nothing but the discovery which such a step would produce could have prevented his lordship in his irritable state of mind from chastising what he deemed the height of insolence at last the hour came for relieving amanda from a situation extremely painful to her as lord mortimer sat next the marchioness he was compelled to offer her his hand free love led lady euphrasia lady greystock and miss malcolm followed her and amanda was the last who quitted the box a crowd in the lobby impeded their progress amanda was close behind the marchioness when belgrave forced his way to her and attempted to take her hand at the very moment lord mortimer turned to look at her who heard him say dear though unkind amanda why this cruel change in your conduct the eyes of mortimer flashed fire miss fitzallen said he in a voice trembling through passion if you will accept my arm i will make way for you or at least secure you from impertinence amanda though trembling and confounded by his looks hesitated not to accept his offer belgrave knew his words alluded to him at present however he resolved not to resent them convinced that if he did his views on amanda would be defeated from that moment her beauty was not more powerful in stimulating his designs than his desire of revenge on lord mortimer he saw he was fondly attached to amanda and he believed his proud heart would feel no event so afflictive as that which should deprive him of her lord mortimer handed amanda in silence to the carriage he was pressed to return to supper but refused the ladies found the marquis and lord chairbury together amanda retired to her chamber immediately after supper the presence of belgrave had increased the dejection which she hoped the amusements of the theatre would have dissipated she now indeed longed for the period when she should be entitled to the protection of lord mortimer when she should no longer dread the audacity or stratagems of belgrave lord chairbury on her retiring expressed his regret at her coldness to sir charles bingley by which he had lost a most honourable and advantageous attachment this was an opportunity not to be neglected by the marchioness for commencing her operations against fitz allen a glance to lady greystock was the signal to begin 
to those said lady greystock who are ignorant of miss fitzallen's real motives for refusing sir charles it must appear no doubt extraordinary but ambitious people are not easily satisfied indeed i cannot blame her so much for entertaining aspiring notions as those who instil them into her mind lord cherbury stared and requested an explanation of her words why i declare my lord cried she i do not know but that it will be more friendly to explain than conceal my meaning when once informed of the young lady's views your lordship may be able to convince her of that fallacy and prevail on her not to lose another good opportunity of settling herself in consequence of them in short my lord miss fitzallen prompted by her father has cast her eyes on lord mortimer presuming on your friendship he thought a union between them might easily be accomplished i do not believe lord mortimer at first gave any encouragement to their designs but when the girl was continually thrown in his way it was impossible not to notice her at last i really expressed a thorough disapprobation to her coming to london knowing their motives for desiring the excursion but her father never ceased persecuting me till i consented to take her under my protection upon my word cried the marquis who was not of the ladies privy council though if he had it is probable he would not have objected to their schemes captain fitzallen must have had some such motive as this lady greystock has mentioned for sending his daughter to london or else he would not have been so ridiculous as to put himself at the expense of fitting her out for company she has no right to enter i never thought exclaimed lord cherbury whose mind was irritated to the most violent degree of resentment against his injured friend that captain fitz allen could have acted with such duplicity he knew the views i entertained for my son and there is a mean treachery in his attempting to counteract them nay my lord said lady greystock you are a father yourself and must make allowances for the anxiety of a parent to establish a child no madam he replied i can make no allowance for a deviation from integrity or for a sacrifice of honour and gratitude at the shrine of interest the subject has discomposed me and i must beg to be excused for abruptly retiring nothing indeed i believe can wound one so severely as deceit where one reposed implicit confidence the ladies were enraptured at the success of their scheme the passion of lord cherbury could scarcely be smothered in their presence on the head of fitzallen they knew it would burst with full violence they did not mention belgrave relative to him they resolved to affect profound ignorance the passions of lord cherbury were impetuous he had as i have already hinted secret motives for desiring a connection between his family and the marquises and the idea of that desire being defeated drove him almost to distraction he knew his son's passions though not so easily irritated as his own were when once irritated equally violent to remonstrate with him concerning miss fitzallen he believed would be unavailing he therefore resolved if possible to have her removed out of his way ere he apprised him of the discovery he had made of his attachment he entertained not a doubt of lady greystock's veracity from his general knowledge of mankind he believed self the predominant consideration in every breast his feelings were too violent not to seek an immediate vent and ere he went to bed he wrote a bitter and reproachful letter to fitzallen which concluded with an entreaty or rather a command to send without delay for his daughter a dreadful stroke this for poor fitzallen after all his wanderings round this world of care and all his griefs he hoped he had at last found a spot where his latter days might close 
in tranquillity the innocent amanda was received the next morning with smiles by those who were preparing a plot for her destruction whilst at breakfast a servant informed lady greystock a young woman wanted to speak to her who is she asked her ladyship did she not send up her name no my lady but she said she had a particular business with your ladyship the marchioness directed she might be shown up and a girl about seventeen was accordingly ushered into the room her figure was delicate and her face interesting not only from its innocence but the strong expression of melancholy diffused over it she appeared trembling with confusion and timidity and the poverty of her apparel implied the source of her dejection so child said lady greystock after surveying her from head to foot i am told you have business with me yes madam replied she in an accent so low as scarcely to be heard my father captain rushbrook desired me to deliver a letter to your ladyship she presented it and endeavoured to screen herself from the scrutinising and contemptuous glances of lady euphrasia by pulling her hat over her face i wonder child said lady greystock as she opened the letter what your father can write to me about i don't suppose it can be about the affair he mentioned the other day why really continued she after she had perused it i believe he takes me for a fool i am astonished after his insolent conduct how he can possibly have the assurance to make application to me for relief no no child he neglected the opportunity he had of securing me his friend twould really be a sin to give him the power of bringing up his family in idleness no no child he must learn you and the other little dainty misses he has to do something for yourselves the poor girl blushed a tear trembled in her eye she tried to suppress it but it forced its way and dropped into her bosom amanda inexpressibly shocked could support the scene no longer she retired precipitately and descended to the parlour sympathy as well as compassion made her feel for this daughter of affliction for she herself knew what it was to feel the insolence of prosperity the proud man's scorn and all those ills which patient merit of the unworthy takes in a few minutes miss rushbrook quitted the drawing-room and stopped in the hall to wipe away her tears amanda had been watching for her and now appeared she started and was hurrying away when amanda caught her hand and leading her softly into the parlour endeavoured with angelic sweetness to calm her emotion surprised at this unexpected attention and overcome by her feelings the poor girl sunk on her chair and dropping her head on amanda's bosom wet it with a shower of tears as she exclaimed alas my unfortunate parents how can i return to behold your misery the grave is the only refuge for you and your wretched children you must not encourage such desponding thoughts said amanda providence all bounteous and all-powerful is able in a short time to change the gloomiest scene into one of brightness tell me she continued after a pause where do you reside at kensington kensington repeated amanda surely in your present situation you are unable to take such a walk i must attempt it however replied miss rushbrook amanda walked from her to the window was revolving a scheme which had just darted into her mind if you know any house said she where you could stay for a short time i would call on you in a carriage and leave you at home this offer was truly pleasing to the poor weak trembling girl but she modestly declined it from the fear of giving trouble amanda besought her not to waste time in such unnecessary scruples but to give her the desired information she accordingly informed her there was a haberdasher's in bond street mentioning the name where she could stay till called for End of chapter 28 part 1